Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the About Tree Review podcast, here to amplify diverse voices in media. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to find the podcast and follow the podcast on social media at About Tree Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. It is listed on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Blueberry, and you can also stream the episodes directly from the website abouttreeview.com, where you can find full links to the show notes and guests. If you want to support the show on that very same website, abouttreeview.com, click on the support tab. There's a direct PayPal link, but also an Amazon wish list. If you ever want to support the show that way, that would be fantastic. So it is another solo episode this week, my dear listeners. And I'm just going to be talking about a couple things. So one, the new movie, The Upside, starring Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. And also, I finally got around to watching Bird Box. You know, that movie that everybody has been talking about for like meh, about a month now. Yeah, I finally had some time this weekend and watched Bird Box with Sandra Bullock. So I will also be talking about that as well as some geek news items. So before we get into the episode, we will go into the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Also, a quick announcement before I go into the geek news of the week. So recently on my Facebook page, uh, not the Facebook page for the podcast, which is facebook.com slash review, but on my professional slash personal page, which is John Reviewer, go ahead and check that out and we can become friends on there. Uh, I ran a quick raffle slash poll where I asked people, uh, it ran for seven days, how many movies they thought I saw of 2018. The two options were under 200 or over 200. And the added layer to that contest was I was doing two things. One, everybody who voted in that poll, and there were over 50 people who voted, would be entered into a raffle for a Starbucks gift card. So congratulations to Morgan Johnson, who is a local uh, actor. So I will be sending out uh, a gift card to her. She was randomly chosen uh, for for that gift card. So good for her. The other thing that I did is that if anybody in the comments managed to guess the exact number of films I had watched during the course of the year, they would receive an on-air shout-out. So, drumroll please. I, I don't know. Maybe I have a drumroll sound effect in there somewhere. I will see. Anyway, uh. The winner of that shout-out, the person who nailed the amount of movies that I saw in the year, which is crazy, because there, there were a lot of movies. So I put up a graphic of how many movies I watched, including short films under 10 minutes, short films over 10 minutes. So the winner is Casey Rom. She is a local Seattle storyteller. So yeah, so congratulations, Casey. The total number of films that I watched in 2018, as far as new releases 
was 339. So it was a very, very busy year. And not just with, you know, the films that I saw, but over the course of 2018, that also included, you know, just like about uh, nine uh, film festivals that I covered both domestically and internationally, six different comic book conventions, and a total of 43 interviews during the course of 2018. So it was a very busy, very crazy year. And, and yeah, I mean, 2019 is already here. So I'm looking forward to seeing what will happen this year. But yeah, so congratulations to Morgan Johnson and Casey Rom. Definitely go to the Facebook page for about review and become my friend on John Reviewer on that page because I'm most likely going to be starting another contest here in just a couple weeks, which I will give you details of soon. So now that the shout outs uh, have been taken care of, straight into the geek news of the week. So first thing, so Game of Thrones is entering into its last season. There's going to be so much madness going on in this last season with ice dragons and real dragons and who knows what else. Even though this is the last season, I was really hoping that I would get to see some ice spiders because that is something I have been looking forward to since first reading the book years ago. I doubt we're going to see ice spiders. They did a decent job with cold hands, but there is a lot that they still not necessarily missed the chance to do in this current season or this upcoming season, but they did announce the full cast and showrunners for the Game of Thrones prequel, which we will be getting in a couple years. So Naomi Watts was already on board and cast in that, but now they actually have a director for the pilot, which is S.J. Clarkson, who did Collateral. I have really no idea how much these are going to tie into the Game of Thrones that we know and love as far as when you think about, I mean, George R. R. Martin, first of all, has built so many worlds and so many stories and written books that are not really the books that we have wanted, but they are still books about the history and the legends of these ancient heroes. That is what the prequel is going to be about. What is interesting is Dan Weiss and David Benioff, the current showrunners, have nothing to do with it. So it is not necessarily that they need that oversight. I just find that interesting when you're doing such a complicated world that, you know, you're not really talking to those folks or like having them involved. But at the same time, if they were to go to like the Age of Heroes and really talk about some of those stories, you run into this problem of, okay, so if they start in this Age of Heroes, but they're still mentioning people before that and brand the builder and all of that, I feel like it could go that Star Wars route where we're getting a prequel to a thing that we really like, but then in that prequel, it mentions other stuff from other stories that we might get to at some point. And like, come on, just tell solid stories and we're going to be on board regardless of kind of what age they are in in this Game of Thrones. People are going to watch. I'm going to watch. I know that about myself. So I'm excited to see what they do with it. We just do not really know much right now other than the cast and that the pilot has a director. So we will see. But it is exciting that it is moving forward. This type of large scale epic TV 
I mean, is having a renaissance right now. But again, with the Netflix model and everything, it will be interesting to see how many layers they're going to be able to do and how many shows they're going to be able to actually pull off at that same quality. So yeah, so Game of Thrones prequel is on its way in a couple years, hopefully sooner rather than later, but we will see. Uh, there's a new trailer that dropped that is kind of a modern reverse version of Big, and the title's actually Little. It has Issa Rae, Marseille Martin, and Regina Hall, and Regina Hall is this unreasonable boss to Issa Rae and super mean, and of course, Shazam! And she turns into a little girl who then is trying to navigate the world with Issa Rae's guidance. The trailer looks really funny, but what I'm more excited about is that Marseille Martin, who people have known of the past couple years on Blackish, she is 13 years old. She is an executive producer of this movie. She is the youngest executive producer of a movie. That is awesome. I hope that she has a little bit of control. I mean, that is one of the things that people always kind of joke about is nobody really knows what producers do. So I'm hoping that as executive producer, you know, she had some pull. She had some ability to tell the story in some ter certain directions. So that is exciting. I'm actually a little bit more excited for her and her opportunities as an executive producer and just as a young actor just in this field. I'm more excited about that than the actual movie itself, even though the movie looks cute and funny. So, but yeah, so good for you, uh, Marseille Martin. So that movie is Little. And of course, all of the links will be in the show notes below. So go ahead and click those. Uh, one of my favorite ridiculous movies is Dune. Yes, the original Dune with Patrick Stewart and a whole bunch of other people. So this remake that Denis Villeneuve has been talking about doing for a while, and especially coming off of Blade Runner 2049, he can, you know, that was kind of his, not necessarily proving ground, he already kind of had proven it for these large-scale movies. So he is remaking Dune. Stellan Skarsgård was just cast, and this is alongside of Timothy Chalamet, who was already on board as Paul Atreides. So now Stellan Skarsgård has been cast as Baron Harkonnen. Baron Harkonnen was that disgusting character from the original one, kind of floated around, sucked a bunch of oil out of people. Super weird. Stellan Skarsgård can do evil. He can do manipulative, but he can also do like a little bit of charming. And I think that is something that with this new version of Dune, we might be able to see more of as opposed to that super like grotesque and bizarre. He, I'm sure will still be that as well, but I, I want a little bit of charm. I think that could be really interesting. This movie is also not going to be out for a while. I'm trying to actually look at a date. Yeah, it does not really give a date yet. I know that a lot of the things that I mention are like, hey, this is coming out, but I'm not sure of the exact date. Mainly because a lot of the things that I'm looking at are like these casting announcements that I find really interesting that who knows when we will actually get to see the movie, but at the same time, it is exciting. So I'm down for that. Uh, one of the last kind of big items, big news items, with all of the Oscars controversy, you know, going on and 
people dropping out, people choosing not to get over their own ego, uh, and a lot of other things. The rumor currently with the Oscars this year is that it will not have a host. Now, a lot of people when because people come to me and they're like, hey, what do you think about this? Is this, you know, detrimental to the Oscars? Here's the thing. Do the Oscars need a host? Not really. Is the host there to basically guide people through the ceremony? Yes. But if you just have people presenting the awards and in that presentation, you have those people do a little bit of banter and keep the show moving forward that way, I think that still works. I really do not think we actually need a host to guide everything through. It is That show is going to happen regardless. So it is one of the, like Kevin Smith, who I always talk about, he jokes that when he goes up to Vancouver, BC to direct either Supergirl or The Flash, he is like, even if I were to not show up, the show is still going to happen. Like they would find a way to make that show happened, they would get a second unit director, they would get an AD, somebody would step in and be like, cool, you guys know what to do, here's how we need to do it, here's our schedule, go. The Oscars is the same thing. Even if they do not have somebody guiding it from beginning to end, just like in Hollywood, the show must go on. Like, it is still going to happen. And I think give those presenters another one minute or two minutes of dialogue and banter that is always super awkward and weird and you are fine like you can still pad it out you can still fill it out so I think that will be fine honestly the only person that I would really like to see host the Oscars at this point somebody like Lin-Manuel Miranda would be amazing I just think at this point so many people are like yeah I'm just not even going near that job so I can understand that we will still kind of have to wait to see in the next couple weeks what is going to happen because the Oscars are right around the corner. So they have about five weeks, I would say, to figure this out. My opinion, just go without a host. It is fine. And if for whatever reason it is a cataclysmic failure, cool. Learn from your mistake. Find somebody else. Find a couple people. Roll with it. Just keep it moving. So... That is interesting. And then the last bit of geek news. So recently, I started playing Spider-Man on the PS4. Yes, finally. Months after it came out. And I was totally, not necessarily taken aback, but emotionally hit when he runs into somebody, and it is Stan Lee in the game. And it just, it was that kind of emotional punch. So Stan Lee, before... Uh, he passed, he obviously recorded some audio and Darty did some cameos for upcoming movies. His last animated voice appearance is going to be in an upcoming episode of Marvel Avengers Black Panther's Quest. So this was his last kind of voice acting role. So that is coming up in a future episode. And there's a really cool article about that on heroichollywood.com. And I just, I feel like over the next couple years, as we get these final little bits of Stan Lee in, in our media, in our geek media, I feel like it is still going to have like that emotional punch. So I'm looking forward to that. I have not really been watching Marvel Avengers Black Panther or a lot of those animated TV shows, but I'm going to watch that episode because it is, I just, I want to hear that voice again. So 
yeah, so that should be pretty cool. All right, so that was the geek news. Uh, just a few things on there. Now to the movie section. So the only new movie that I saw last week, uh, as far as like new 2019 release, is The Upside. Now this stars Kevin Hart, Brian Cranston, and Nicole Kidman, directed by Neil Berger. This is a film that not only is it based off of a book that came out years ago uh, called uh, Second Wind or The Second Wind. This is also like the fourth remake of this story. So basically, the the original story, uh, the original kind of true event was based off of um, a real man, Philippe Pozo de Borgo. Uh, Yeah, nailed that. You are welcome. Uh, And he became quadriplegic in a paragliding accident and then found a helper, found somebody who was his, you know, his arms, his legs, his life force, the person helping him day to day. And what I found interesting is that this new movie, The Upside, is basically a remake of a French movie called The Untouchables, which is the highest grossing French film of all time. And they kept a lot of the same things. So in real life, the real Philippe, his helper is and was an Arabic ex-con. So his name is Abdel. And that was something that, again, they take a real life person and this Middle Eastern person. And in the French movie, he is um, from, I forget what part of Africa, but the actor is Omar Sy. And that was actually kind of the reason that he was chosen is they really just wanted him in that picture, in that movie. So you have this real life Frenchman in in Philippe with an Arabic uh, partner and a helper. In the movie version, you have a a Frenchman and a an African kind of expat. And so that I understand why if you're doing a remake that you are kind of remaking that movie. But at the same time, I feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity to then go in the more kind of historic direction and factual direction and have somebody from that part of the world as opposed to kind of just redoing the story that was done in the French film. So I found that interesting. Again, I'm not I'm not sure really why they did that. But the other thing is this movie, The Upside, has been in development hell since like 2012 or 14. Like, people have been attached to this. They have been dropped out to this. Colin Firth, at some point, was going to do a version, and then that did not happen. So it just it has been going back and forth for years. This premiered at TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, back in 2017, in, like, September of 2017, with a kind of early 2018 release. Then it got pushed back almost an entire year. I started, I kind of had to do some digging to figure out why. Turns out it was a Weinstein Company project. And as people who know, last January, everything attached to Weinstein kind of started imploding. So it got shelved. You know, this movie, The Upside, got shelved for quite a while. So that was why it was delayed so much. And I, I just don't know. Like, it was, this film, I mean, it tells the story of this paraplegic Man with Kevin Hart, 
as as his confidant and helper, but we never really get enough traction into Kevin Hart's character, uh, whose name is Dell. Like there were certain parts of this movie we were in like deep in the second act, and I was asking myself, are we supposed to care about Dell? Are we supposed to empathize with him because we get that he has gone through struggle and we we understand that he has this this criminal past and that he's trying to get past that but at the same time like he is still doing very unlikable things and not necessarily that that is you know a detrimental factor but it was just I feel like there was just a lot there that was not being explored and I'm not quite sure why Brian Cranston as Philippe Lacase uh, in the movie, the paraplegic man, the critical part of the story, like he is solid. And both he and Kevin Hart have some good dynamics between them. Nicole Kidman is kind of the most removed in that, I mean, yes, she is in it. She plays a pivotal role, but it never really feels like all three of them gel in the same movie. So that was kind of an odd transition where you're like you might have some chemistry between some of the characters and some scenes, but then it would shift and change as the scenes went on and as the movie went on. And I just feel like there was not enough connective tissue to really hold on to, which is kind of weird. Uh, and again, with all of these accolades of the French version behind it, The Untouchables was the original name. I mean, again, highest grossing French movie. It is a critical and commercial success. They did this version and I still am not sure why, but they have also done like two other versions. Uh, they did one. Let me see the name of this. Uh, well, oh, this is going to be interesting. Okay. So it is spelled O O P I R I. So Upuri, possibly. Um, so that is like a Hindi remake of the story. They have done other versions. So this is a story that has been done a bunch of times. So why do we need another one? And not only why do we need another one, but why do we need one that does not really explore anything else? Like anything deeper, anything like there were not any like nuggets of information that this one gleamed versus the untouchables. Like it was almost shot for shot in some of the scenes the same as the original. That seems weird. Like why, why do a whole movie like that when you have the opportunity to maybe do something a little bit different? And it also, I mean, in the credits of the movie, it kind of gave a couple lines where it was like, based off of actual events, but with a lot of license, AKA we made everything up for this movie. So, Again, that was just, there were some odd choices in that. One of the weird things that bothered me that probably is not going to bother anybody else. So in this pivotal scene where Kevin Hart's character, who of course, you know, comes from the wrong side of the tracks and has this past, goes to an opera for the first time. They of course are going to Mozart's Magic Flute, because if you want a de facto opera for a movie, sure, go to that one. But the thing is, they go to the opera and it starts with Papageno singing, which is not how the music, or not how the opera starts. And then at the end, when he is all involved in, you know, the Queen of the Night aria, you know, is being performed and he is so invested. 
the song ends, the aria ends, and immediately the house lights come up and everybody starts clapping and standing up. And it was like, that is not the end of the opera either. So little things like that were weird. And it was hard for me to not notice those things because I was just not really feeling connected to these characters. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of, let me see. Yeah, they have some chemistry. There is a, there's a catheter scene, which you see part of in some of the trailers, which is cringeworthy and not for the reasons you would think with a catheter scene. It actually has less to do with the act of it and more to do with the dialogue and the script, especially with some of the stuff coming out about Kevin Hart recently. It was just, it was cringy. It was, it was kind of rough. So, but yeah, so the upside is in theaters right now, directed by Neil Berger. Like I said, Kevin Hart, Brian Cranston, uh, Nicole Kidman, a host of other folks. And I mean, I guess, did I, did I forget to mention that Philip LaCase is a billionaire? Yeah, well, you can kind of glean that from from the trailers. Uh, so the rating system for the About to Review podcast, there are three choices, good, bad, or ugly. Broken down simply, a good film was something that you would recommend to a friend. A bad film is not really something that you regretted going to or spending that two hours in the theater. Ugly, avoid at all costs. Um, my My kind of initial reaction to this movie, as I kind of already said, is A, I'm not sure why it needed to get made, and B, just go watch The Untouchables, the French version from 2011. It is a much better film. So my official rating is bad. I cannot give it an ugly because there were some good performances in there. They did kind of a decent job telling the story, but it was just there was not enough just pathos for me to really care about about these characters so it gets a bad from me so that is the upside uh now to bird box a movie that people have already reviewed and already talked about because it came out a while ago but i finally got a chance to see it so this is directed by suzanne beer starring sandra bullock trevante rhodes john malkovich sarah paulson jackie weaver lil rel tom holland like this has so many great people in it bd wong was also in it. I had no idea he was going to be in this as well. Uh, this movie is essentially a uh, maybe not post-apocalyptic, but near post-apocalyptic future where there are some sort of creatures, some sort of life forms that if you view them, you go crazy and you end up essentially killing yourself in some way or in one way or another. I never really gets explained, but that is the kind of the gist of it. So what they do is they wear blindfolds and they go about their life. And one of the, one of the interesting things about this concept is essentially if you are outside, you have to wear a blindfold, but if you are inside, you do not have to wear a blindfold and you can just be hanging around like typical lazy Sunday. That does not really make sense to me because it is like, okay, if there are these creatures, aliens, whatever you want to call them, these kind of metaphysical beings, why are they limited to the constraints of a door? Like what, how is that suddenly like a safe zone? I get it. If you are in like some bunker 
you know, Cheyenne Mountain style in Wyoming where you are miles into a mountain. Sure. But if like if you are worried about a thing, this creature right outside of your house and you're like, oh, let me just shut this door and everything is fine. But how do you know with these invisible creatures that one is not already inside? So that like that core kind of conceit was a little bit weird for me, kind of that willing suspension of disbelief where you have to put yourself in the position of, okay, these invisible monsters are out there, but not in these locations. Sure. Okay. So move once you move past that, uh, this is filmed beautifully. Like the outdoor shots, it was filmed kind of in like deep northern California, kind of by like the Oregon-California border. So really beautiful scenery. Sandra Bullock gives a good performance as this uh, kind of reluctant mother figure to two children that she is just trying to protect and trying to get from A to B, essentially. The supporting cast in this... So, John Malkovich, man, this guy can play crazy. In a, in a in such a believable way, when as you're watching him, you're like, is this just how he is? Like, is he just a weird kind of rude person in general? Or is he just really good at playing that? So, John Malkovich is super creepy and weird. Sarah Paulson is Sandra Bullock's sister, who we get to know a little bit about. But definitely Trevante Rhodes and Sandra Bullock are the stars of of the show. Trevante actually gives a solid performance as well. I mean, people, of course, will know him from Moonlight. Uh, Laurel Howery is hilarious, but not sure why, not necessarily why he isn't. I know why he isn't there, because in any sort of scary movie, you need that foil. You need that kind of person who, just like he was in Get Out, was like, wait, why are we doing this? Why are we going here? Why are we not doing this? You need that kind of grounding. So actually, I get why he is there. But the creepiest person in this is Tom Hollander. Now, Tom Hollander is an actor who, as soon as you see him, you start to recognize him from everything. I mean, he seriously has done so many things. I mean, he was in, like, Taboo, the TV show recently. He was in Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, did a voice in Mowgli, the new Netflix movie. He is creepy and weird, and disturbing from the jump. Like, as soon as we see him, and again, you get characters in the movie that at least acknowledge that. So I liked that aspect of it. On to the, the creatures themselves. One thing I liked is that we never saw them. They did not pull kind of a, an M. Night Shyamalan in the village style thing where he was all show, and then a little bit of tell with his twist at the end when we get the reveal of, you know, what it was. This is the opposite. This, all we have is tell. All we have are people talking about their experiences and the fears and all of these kind of intricacies without actually seeing the manifestation of what people see. I liked that. I really liked that mystery angle. Now, when you introduce a mystery like that, I feel like there could have been an opportunity to do something a little bit more to be like, okay, we're not going to show it to you, but here is why certain people might not see what you see, or here, here's why certain people maybe seem unaffected. 
So I liked that angle. The actual uh, mechanism was never really explained as far as like, you know, what they see. We get Lil Rel kind of explaining a little bit of kind of what happens or what they could be and why people are seeing things, but nothing definitive, nothing concrete. And the way in which people interact with these beings is also never really explained. So, I mean, I, again, I, I liked the, the idea of not showing the things, whatever they may be, but I, I, want, I, I still think you could do that with giving a little bit more information. So, but yeah, I mean, solid cast. Uh, the cast is stupid and does stupid things, just like everybody in scary movies. Uh, Danielle McDonald from Patty Cakes was in this, which I had not seen her in anything, I think, since Patty Cakes. So that was that was kind of nice. She is a solid actress. But yeah, um, this one was interesting in the sense where I liked the core concept. I liked the the general creepiness and more of the tell and not show suspense angle of it. But I feel like there was something missing. I feel like maybe either there was some stuff cut out or something that would kind of make you more invested in this uh, and why the characters make some of the choices that they make. But it was filmed great, great cast. Uh, but yeah, so those, those are kind of my thoughts. I mean, it is on Netflix. It already came out like a month ago. So there are already people breaking down all of the theories and all of the ideas. It also has been like one of the greatest memes to come out recently. So I definitely applaud it for that. But my official rating for Bird Box, uh, I will give it a good because I did enjoy it. But it still is something that I might not remember for a while. And if I do remember it, I will remember, you know, kind of those ideas and those concepts without actually remembering the movie itself. So for that, at least it did stick with me in that aspect. So it gets kudos for that. Uh, so yeah, so quick recap. So the upside, starring Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston, I gave a bad because I was just not really invested in the characters. They they never really felt true. They never really felt real or grounded enough and fleshed out enough for me to kind of care. Uh, so yeah, so that gets a bad. And Bird Box with Sandra Bullock and Trevante Rhodes, that gets a good. So those were the reviews for this week's episode. Uh, upcoming things for the About to Review podcast. So next week's episode, I'm super excited. Uh, so there will be a collaboration with a friend of mine, uh, Isabella Price. She is a podcaster. She is a writer, producer, filmmaker, burlesque dancer, uh, the coined Oprah of the underworld herself, uh, Isabella Price. So her and I are going to be doing an episode next week. She has a really exciting project coming up that I wanted to have her on to talk about. So definitely look forward to that. Uh, Glass, speaking of M. Night Shyamalan. So that will be coming up on a future episode. That review should be dropping pretty soon. As well as I will be returning to Vancouver, British Columbia, my home away from home, to cover once again the Vancouver Short Film Fest for the third year in a row. I love going up to Vancouver. I love this film fest in particular because it was the first one that kind of introduced me to the Vancouver film scene. And from there, I have made incredible friends, incredible connections, and I have 
continued to go up to Vancouver multiple times a year since then. So super excited for the Vancouver Short Film Festival. But in the immediate future, that episode with Isabella Price will be coming up soon. So thank you, everybody, for all of your support. Like I said, I mean, not just, you know, this week, but thank you for all of the support from the beginning, especially in 2018. It was a really big year for me and the podcast, and I have big goals for 2019. So thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. Uh, Make sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Follow the podcast on social media at about to review. And that is kind of it. So have a great week, everybody, and we will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.